guys, welcome to Rank and Final, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? It's going good. I just got done reading Jeff Vandermeer's, Vandermeer's Annihilation, and I don't understand how they're going to make a movie, but I'm going to stand for it, whatever it is. Yeah, my, my buddy Sarah has been um, trying to get me to read Annihilation for like the last month, so I feel like now between two people I personally know that have uh, brought this book up, I feel like I need to give it a shot. So I feel like the term Lovecraftian is super played out. <laughs> it's bandied around a lot these days. And I, I guess we could say cosmic horror, but what it is is there's a monster that's so buckwild words aren't enough because it's not from this dimension. And right. it's, hey, uh, human beings realize that they're very small and insignificant in the universe, but... What I especially love is people like Jeff Vandermeer who have read enough Lovecraft to go, yeah, I could do that better, and they actually do it better (laughs) than old Howard. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think most people who do cosmic horror post-Lovecraft do it better than Lovecraft. First of all, because they can actually construct a sentence um, without busting out words like rugos and and noisome. Uh, honestly, and Lovecraft is one of those things that, like, I loved when I was a teenager. Well, no, here's the thing. I loved it as a teenager because I convinced myself that I loved it as a teenager. When, really, I go back and read Lovecraft now, and it's like, I think he hit on a... I I think Lovecraft is a lot like Twilight for me in that it hit on a very important idea, but the thing itself is actually butt-cheek. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was lost because I was uh, Googling noisome because I've never heard that word before. (laughs) Some low-key low opening up a tab and reading. <laughs> See, it was actually great. That is there's a good um, word. <laughs> there's this uh, 2D side-scroller called They Bleed Pixels that uh, is basically a Lovecraftian side-scroller where you're like, you're a girl at this boarding school, and then you keep having these weird dream sequences where you have to, like, it's full of blood, it's great. But what's awesome is that when you get a pr- particularly good move-off or a combo or something... Lovecraftian adjectives will pop up on the screen like Rugos, noisome, <laughs> and that's wonderful. That to me is better than anything Lovecraft ever wrote. So, so what have you been up to this week? So uh, this week I've been uh, reading a romance novel called A Man Above Reproach by uh, Evelyn Price uh, about this uh, lady called the Body Blue Stocking, and she she plays piano at this place, and there's a guy, and it's uh, perfect. And the thing about it is, I live. Um, relatively close to a bookstore called The Ripped Bodice, uh, which is, it's it's made the rounds and made the news because it only sells romance novels. And it's the fucking greatest. And, like, lots of people have been, like, on social media, like, uh, do you really need an entire shop that only sells romance novels? And they're like, I don't know, do you need a shop that only sells comics? Fuck off. <laughs> like, I I love this fucking place. It is. Hey! So, yeah, that's. I'm reading that, and then I, I also um, concurrently, uh, there's this uh, academic book written back in uh, the late 80s called uh, Reading the Romance. And it's basically, um, and this was in the thick of like mass produced Harlequin romance novels and its popularity, like during, you know, the 80s. And it's basically examining why romance novels are so popular, like why they sell so well, all of this stuff. And it basically. Um, I appreciate that the introduction of it is basically, um, all right, so let's not shit ourselves. All of our imaginations about the heartland of America are just that. It's our interpretation, and we can't be fucking objective. So let's talk about what we think might be at the root of romance being such a, a, a widely popular thing. 
Man, that's wonderful. I love academic criticism. Uh, school's yeah. back in, and I'm back at work. But instead of doing actual work, I'm just reading uh, semiotics mm-hmm. in my office. And and by that, I mean accidentally, like, sitting at my desk and picking up a book or saying, hey, I'm part of a of an academic system. Let me see what the what's on what's available through the library databases and getting sucked into like a, a you know, 100, 300 page uh, treaties on language. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, I think uh, especially for horror, I think the big gateway uh, academic navel gazing book to get horror people into this kind of shit is Men, Women and Chainsaws. Yeah. I'm also reading a book right now. I haven't gotten past the introduction because it is that <laughs> dense, but it's about uh, perversity and the semiotics of perversity. Like, feeling perverse versus feeling typical mm-hmm. and the what i think the introduction is about because again i'm not very sure <laughs> sure is about how um there's actually people need to feel perverse to get something like there's there's a reason why when you meet someone who's a real grade a perv mm-hmm. most of their time is spent saying i'm so dirty I'm there's a, a reason perv. why okay basically the book explains lucio fulci <laughs> it explains cat in the brain excellent i'm sorry that was all an elaborate ploy to dunk <laughs> on fulci again <laughs> It's just us giving Fulci a constant... It's just us shoving him into a locker every goddamn week because of Cat in the Brain. And really, I... Now, the thing with perversity, I mean, it's it's also... Especially with Giallo, I think... Giallo is such a great exploration of, like, if you make a thing look cool and you add a bitch in soundtrack, you can kind of get people to watch pretty much anything. Yeah. For sure. Sorry, I was also um, Googling the name of this book so I can actually do it but there's no fucking way i can find it um anyway. you're just googling perversity book yeah exactly don't <laughs> dear listeners do not google perversity book no no it'll, it'll be like the necronomicon and it'll, it'll but speaking of perversity let's talk about uh our movies this week we dove into the unblinking lens of documentary films yeah we did uh we we checked out a movie called the real chainsaw massacre from 2003 um and I gotta, I gotta tell you, so it's it's about this uh, killer who um, killed two people back in the day and then married a lady, and she was like, oh no, I'm married to a killer, and then that, that's pretty much it. So it's important to note that this is a BBC production, and it's oh, yeah. clearly a made-for-TV, like, snapped, um, you know, your basic cable, except I don't think the BBC has, like, high-end cable channels. But, like, it's an A&E-style... <laughs> you know, married the killer, I can't believe it. Uh, But the whole, like, selling point is it's the real Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It really happened, except it this crime happened after the movie, and they they kind of insinuate that he saw the movie and that's what made him kill people. Right, which was also wild to me that they they introduced it as like, you know, 1974, a year of a lot of things happening. And then they, they, the most sensational I think uh, this documentary gets, because it is super fucking understated, um, was the bit where they were like, you know, um, uh, the most graphic horror movie of all time, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And instantly, I want to pop up like the toasty guy from Mortal Kombat and be like, Horseshit! It is not graphic. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw. You you don't even see anybody getting chewed up by a chainsaw. You barely see any blood. Come on now. 
Yeah, but uh, so we need to talk about the fact that this guy had a huge rap sheet, criminal offenses. He was rustling, rustling buffalo. My dude was a buffalo rustler. And they have video of him shooting (laughs) and gutting buffalo. Just a video of him rustling buffalo. Which Which is also wild that if you're going to be poaching buffalo, (laughs) to have someone (laughs) film it on Super 8 while you're putting a buffalo in your pickup truck. Which I guess, you know, the best way to get get away with a crime is to act like it's not a crime of course like if you're driving down the highway with a buffalo in your truck (laughs) as was the style in 1974 texas which the entire time all i could think of was the portmanteau of russell buffalo and then mark ruffalo so So he's a mark buffalo rustler (laughs) (laughs) yep but i now the thing about this documentary is i feel like um as an American, I've seen a lot of sensationalized, wild-ass documentaries about horrible murder, and I think that that's what I was expecting, that I was kind of waiting for the blood and guts and, and the and the yelling to happen in the real Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's mostly, like, sort of people talking in little rooms, and this lady being like, yeah, you know, I had to tell her that her husband was a fucking murderer, and then uh, she wound up dead two days later. But it's all super British and super dry, so they're just like, un- they're, they're no-selling the and, horror. And what I really through. like is everyone in this movie, the documentary is basically that the British government fucked up every step of the way. Right. Because Robert Elmer Cleason, this murderer convicted like on death row and he got a pardon so then he says i'm gonna move to britain and no one thinks to check all of this information right it was like a real life freddy krueger situation where like well somebody didn't sign the search warrant in the right place and the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous but they let the guy out and it's like oh technicality this murderer is just wandering the streets again but also uh the way that he gets to england is he in prison signs up for pen pal correspondence and the pen pal company does not tell this british woman oh yeah he's a death row inmate also yeah noted death row inmate probable murderer uh, definite buffalo rustler uh, it <laughs> wants to write to you. Like, yeah, they, they don't yeah. tell her shit. She just goes, oh, and, he's and, like a nice and they say, oh, yeah, he just said he was a college professor doing a college um, course in the prison. And, like, he was mailing her photos from other inmates. Like, you know, when, they, kept... when someone would mail them a picture, he would just steal those and mail them to this British woman. It's like, he ca- sorry, he I'm not in the photo. I was taking it. Yeah, he, he catfished. Uh, 70s style. Yeah. Yeah, analog catfishing. But then what's wildest to me, and I know the internet's not there, but Motherfucker got a passport from America. Like, you have to get passports in America, flies over to Britain, and joins, like, moves in with this lady, uh, joins the local gun club, and starts, and starts a gun dealership where he starts, like, hoarding assault rifles right and nobody at any step of the way was like we should check this dude out he's got a really cold gaze and 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 then also what's amazing about this uh this documentary has everything right it has chainsaws it has catfishing it has mormons um this guy oh, yeah yeah he um he murders mormons and the mormon <laughs> church protects him it's fucking wild. because they like, say well you know we got to protect our our congregation so he's gotta... part of our group so even though he murdered someone else in the church we're gonna take care of him oh he might have done a bit of murder but we got to circle the wagons 
<laughs> and yeah, like, dude, I, I think he felt like super betrayed by the Mormon church because he went to jail for a thing and they didn't bail him out. So he was like, well, now I got to kill someone. And the the voiceover guy, which, by the way, um, big ups to the voiceover guy that did Cleason's voiceover for the like crazy manifesto shit this guy was writing about killing Mormons and like skinning animals and doing whatever, wha- you know, rustling buffalo. Because um, that guy sounds like he's got a throat full of pudding. And he's just the whole time like, I have to murder someone. And it, it's, um, yeah, it was great. So, would you recommend The Real Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, it's on Netflix. Would you recommend people watch it? I absolutely would recommend people watch it. Because I, I think I, I didn't know that it was possible to do an understated documentary on chainsaw murder. And this really delivered. Yeah, and they go into the the details about like, oh yeah, we found bits of hair on the bandsaw, and right. that's how we convicted him. Yeah, yeah, hair that was consistent with the victim's hair, and it's which, by the way, all I could think of during that was the fact that apparently, um, it's now been revealed that hair strand testing has largely been fabricated by the oh, FBI. Son of a bitch. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Jim Ross voice. Oh, son of a bitch. Um, apparently a lot of it is either fraudulent or fudged or not as accurate as we had previously thought because since childhood, because I watch a lot of cop shows, I had always assumed that that was like a deadlock. Like you find hair at the scene, you know, that's, that's it. They've got you. Well, and... as a hearsuit man, um, that <laughs> might be a relief, but it might not because like I find hairs around my house all the time. Right. Same. Also, I find hairs stuck in my hairs. Like if <laughs> if I borrow a blanket that Emily has been using, like I'll you know leave and I'll have like her hair like intertwined in the Velcro that is my arm hair. <laughs> so you're basically Captain Caveman. Yeah, Just basically like a constant assemblage of hair. Um, but yeah, so, no, I would I would I would recommend this because I think it is. I mean, I watched the entire thing interested. Yeah, it's not as good as the Jeffrey Dahmer files because I feel like that's like revelatory oh. for this actually engaging serial killer. Definitely. And uh, I hate to say it, I think Cleason's a scrub. I think he's not going yep. down in the annals of Buckwild killers. Which... Well, because first of all, he's just a spree. You know, he's just a spree killer. Yeah, yeah, and he's not even like. He's just a jerk. No one's... Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it makes me think of um, when I read The Stranger Beside Me about Ted Bundy, that he's one of those killers that, you know, you you learn about, and then you kind of come down to, like, look, even aside from all the crazy murder, what a dick. Just what a fucking asshole. Yeah, for some reason, Dahmer has always, like, kicked my empathy, sympathy kind of thing, where it's like, I'm so intrigued by it, and, like, I play the... What if his dad was different? What if he didn't have the childhood head trauma? What if, right. you know, like, basically playing the, you know, the the fix-it fiction of how do we turn Jeffrey Dahmer's path? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like at what point of the way can could we tweak it and make it so that this, like, shy, polite fella doesn't commit necrophilia and cannibalism? Yeah, yeah. And at what point could the idiot police not send his victims back into his house? <laughs> For God's sake. For gay stuff. For gay, uh, what a bunch of I, turds. Which I think is, oh, by the way, one of the things that's uh, so horrifying for a lot of dudes about Dahmer, because I feel like with serial killers, they're supposed to be safe from that. And then 
suddenly, you know, there's a guy that, you know, is doing to men what serial killers primarily do to women. And they're like, well, hang on a goddamn minute. That's not supposed to be us. Yeah. So it's not as good as the Jeffrey Dahmer files. Um, is it better than Kuso? Oh, no. No, it's not better than Kuso. Because I feel like Kuso, um, this was like a nice uh, Tuesday afternoon's viewing Kuso like yeah. burned itself into my brain. That was, it was like an experience. This was like a sort of oh, that's neat. So I'm looking at Neon Maniacs mm. because Neon Maniacs is one of my go-to Tuesday afternoon movies. It's oh, a sure. um, I got home from work early. I had a half day. The kids still at uh, preschool. The wife's at work. Uh, this movie has a new wave concert in it. I'm going to throw that on. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, you're not exactly going to throw on um, the real Texas, or the real Chainsaw Massacre for funsies. For, for unwinding time. But it is yeah. pleasant. I watched it before bed and was like, that's very interesting. I feel, you know, uh, mentally invigorated. And then I went to sleep. Yeah, which, which by the, might which... also be a red flag. <laughs> Actually, it's funny, you know, I, all right. So uh, story time from this week. Uh, I, so sometimes I, I worry that like, Oh God, am I becoming desensitized from watching so much horror all the time? Am I getting crusty? And I had a nightmare on Monday. Um, Christina woke me up as she, like, as she was about to leave for work, I was making like, I'm having a bad dream. Like, puppy noises and like jerking around in my sleep and looking really upset and she sh you know kind of gently shook me awake and i gave her the panic bird eyes and she and you know and which was funny because she was like hey i saw you having a bad dream so i thought i'd stand in the dark over you and wake you up it's, it wasn't a perfect <laughs> solution but i realized that i was having a nightmare that i was being pursued by gary Busey. Oh my gosh. Um, cause I, because because i had watched lethal weapon the night before i went to bed <laughs> so I'm able to watch fucking Audition and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all of this crazy shit all the time. No but nightmares. But not Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. I watched Lethal Weapon. I had a nightmare about Gary Busey. So the the I'm not completely used up and crusty yet. I'm still disturbed by some things, and one of those is uh, Gary Busey. So I'm going to say that The Real Chainsaw Massacre isn't as good as Neon Maniacs, mm -hmm. but it is better than Happy Hunting. I would agree it's better than Happy Hunting, because I think at least it told me something I didn't already know, and Happy Hunting just kind of felt like every other movie like it I've ever seen. Yeah, and and by that stretch of the imagination, I wonder if it's better than Good Tidings. Um, honestly, I would say actually that it is better than Good Tidings, because it was at least a trim, like what, hour yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tight hour, and unfortunately, although Good Tidings is well good, uh, you kind of get the point at an hour and go, this could have been a, a short, this could yeah, have been a forty minute um, short. Right, and then they Peter Jackson the ending, and it's like three endings, and it's like I get it, fucking evil Santa's Jesus. Yeah. So above or below heavy metal. Ooh, I gotta put it below heavy metal. I think. Yeah, because Pure, if you even, time even travel, if you time travel back to two thousand three and you're in a blockbuster, uh, you're taking heavy metal home and not oh. the real Chainsaw Massacre for sure. Um, so that puts the real Chainsaw Massacre and even one hundred and ten. That is a pretty respectable showing. Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> uh, so real 
Real Chainsaw Massacre is on Netflix. Um, just type the Real Chainsaw and it will probably show up. Or it might be under the Real Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think there might be two titles for this. Could be. But anyway. But they really undersell that bit, by the way, the chainsaw part. It's like a very quick sort of, uh, we think he used a chainsaw. Any, it's anyone's guess. Yeah. He was like a bandsaw. Anyway. <laughs> so the next thing we are watching, and I'm so excited to talk about this, is yes. The Unexplained, which is werewolves and vampires, uh, hosted by Peter Graves, originally airing on NBC, I believe, October 24th, 1994. Holy shit. And the entire time, all I could hear was the voice of Crow T. Robot going, I'm Peter Graves at the University of Minnesota. Um, <laughs> man, fucking Peter Graves. He just shows up in a trench coat in a cemetery to yeah. tell us about vampires, werewolves, and witches, and then introduces to real vampires, werewolves, and witches. Right, like real folks who believe that they are vampires and hang out in Los Angeles. And it's great because he... Um, He's not really committing one way or the other on whether witches, werewolves, and vampires are uh, legit and magical. But, you know, he's sort of chuckling a bit, and he's like, oh, those crazy werewolves, I'm Peter Graves. And he just sort of, um, he's like the consummate straight man in this. Yes. Um, I think the best part of this, by the way, this is on YouTube, so please do yourself a favor and um, look this up. Uh, the unexplained, which is werewolves and vampires. Do you know if there's other unexplained episodes? Like, I think this is a very uh, A and E productions. Like, this is the so when I was a teenager, um, this is actually the kind of stuff I would stay up till three in the morning watching on oh, yeah. the dis, on like the Discovery Channel and the History Channel. Like every, do you remember the TV series Taboo? Oh, I do remember that. So, like, I would watch all those and, like, the Circus Freak documentaries and, mm -hmm. like, all, you know, just one more and then I'll go to bed. <laughs> yep. So and my honestly, summers were spent watching stuff like this. Uh, cannibalism episodes of, you know, on Discovery Channel and all that. So this really scratched an itch for me. Oh, for sure. And also the entire time, like, I, I, th I thought of uh, that video of Glenn Danzig in the 80s talking about his book collection. <laughs> Yes. It's basically an episode of lore, but less engaging. Yeah, it's exactly like lore. And honestly, and it's funny because he would, um, I love, by the way, dramatizations and stuff like this, where they get a guy and they're like, all right, you're a fucking, we you're a werewolf, Steve. And they got to dress you up like a <laughs> and werewolf. And they cut to Steve and he says, well, I'm a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts back to Peter Graves and him going, oh, those werewolves. Always running around in the woods. It's now stupid. we're going to introduce you to a teenage girl who owns a hearse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, Katrina Coffin, who, by the way, is still, uh, still around, because um, I, I Googled her. Um, okay, she, okay. Now you got to tell me about, does she have an Instagram and what is her handle? She does not have an Instagram. I, I checked. That's a loss. That's a missed opportunity. <laughs> Matt, here I was kind of, so Katrina Coffin uh, is somebody who's interviewed in this thing. And they're basically sort of like, yeah, I live as a vampire. Uh, they never actually say I am a literal fucking honest-to-God vampire, But she's like, yeah, I sleep in a coffin in my living room, and I fucking hate sunlight, and I really like the taste of blood, and I like hanging out in the cemetery and presumably listening to, like, the Mission UK or whatever. Um, and she never actually cops to it, but she's basically, I live as a vampire. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's driving and a that's hearse. that's basically what the whole show is about, is there's not actual... 
witches. There, there are the witches are Wiccans, and they're like, yeah, Christians have really done us dirty, and we're not evil, and we don't ride brooms, and now, like they talk about how terrible the Christian church was in the Middle Ages. Now, and I werewolves gotta... are well, there are hairy people, and there's also people that have psychotic episodes. <laughs> And, like, she drives this hearse, like, everywhere, and she, like, you, you could tell that, like, I, I'm pretty sure that off-camera Peter Graves is just kind of taking a quick slug from, like, a hip flask, as he's sort of like, I'm hanging out with the fucking vampire lady. So, what are the benefits of owning a hearse? Um, that's actually a great question, because back in the day, I, I would say around, like, 2007, 2008... Uh, my car had shit the bed, and I was in the market for a new car, and on, like, I found a hearse for sale, and briefly I was like, oh, ho, ho, what if I did it? What if I was the guy who drives a, oh, God, I'm gonna be the guy who drives a hearse. No, no. You're gonna pull up, and everyone's like, oh, hearse guy's here. Oh, it's fucking his and hearse. It's like, uh, you imagine it being, oh, dunk, hearse guy's here, but what it really is is, Oh no, uh, hearse guy is here. Fucking hearse guy. Yeah, You're that and then, guy that walks around the mall with a briefcase and a um like a the mountain Grim Reaper t shirt on. Oh shit, that's exactly it. And then and also you bug like, the guy at the C D store because they don't make metal like they used to and you don't have any cannibal corpse cds <laughs> no i'm that guy at the mall quizzing someone in a misfits fiend skull shirt about misfits lyrics <laughs> and then if they don't know it i'm like ha, figures and then i walk back to my hearse uh and really ultimately i didn't do it because i didn't want to be hearse guy and then secondly i'm mildly stitious uh, and i was kind of like look I don't know that I believe in ghosts, but I don't maybe want to fuck around driving a thing that's held a non-zero number of dead people. Listen, if the movie The Hearse has taught me anything, it's you don't <laughs> fuck around with old hearses. Don't fuck around with old hearses. And, but Katrina Coffin, she is good with it. And, and then in this documentary, I think when they talk about werewolves, so much of it kind of talks about were, like werewolf movies, which I think is great because so much of what we know about werewolves pretty much comes from werewolf movies. Yeah, it's all like fucking made up. Yeah. No, it's a Now what I really like is um have you ever read about like the beast of Jevoudan, like the actual oh, yeah. like this town is being sieged by some kind of forest <laughs> beast? Uh-huh. Like that stuff's really fun to me to read in, you know, my centrally heated home where i'm not worried about wild animals dragging my children <laughs> off right because you know they would hunt wolves and like cut them open to see how many babies were in their bellies and stuff like that well they didn't really have the internet back then so they which is had to make yeah it fun. that's also why we don't have uh wolves anymore because we have <laughs> right because this is why we can't have nice things um now it what's so these a and e sort of documentaries invariably hosted by peter graves um, I love that the question of the title of this thing is the unexplained witches, werewolves, and vampires. Are they real? Hosted by Peter Graves. Because literally, you know that you're not going to watch this and have Peter Graves go, werewolves are fucking real. I don't know what to tell you. They're out here. It's not going to be the ending of The Howling. We always watch this and think, like, <laughs> it's going to be The Howling. You yeah. know, and, and this has been going on since, you know, the, I don't know when it started, but... All of these, and they get me every goddamn time. 
Uh, Mermaids. We have real footage. No, you don't. But I'm still going to watch it because it might be. All those because, fucking, like, what if they have it, though? Those Bigfoot shows or the paranormal investigators or all of that. It's like, it's just grainy footage and someone going, did you hear that? Oh, I used to fuck with a lot of ghost uh, ghost hunting shows because, like, all right, do you remember MTV Fear? Um, vaguely. I, so MTV, uh, MTV's Fear was a thing that did two things. Um, it was ghost hunters wandering around, like, abandoned mental institutions and getting spooked by, like, tucking themselves into court, like, in the cadaver drawers. And then, two, it made prominent use of the song Voodoo by Godsmack. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, and I, I watched the shit of it back in the, uh, I watched the shit out of it back in the day because, um, I think I was, I, I wasn't really on that A&E beat yet, but I did watch a lot of MTV, so this is, like, my first exposure to sort of, like, oh, no, it's real ghosts! And, of course, it's horseshit, but... Yeah, I was more on the uh, next grind because all of the narration in that dating show is written in rhyming couplets. Yes, it is. Which, by the way, it's like, what did you do with your English degree? Well, I'm working at MTV. Um, Writing. (laughs) (laughs) Writing sizzle for dating shows. Yeah, and, and like, which, of course, was, like, analog Tinder back in the day, where they would go on these brief dates and, like, oh, no, no, I don't know, do I hit it off with this dude? Nah, he's a dud, and then you'd move on to the I, next one. I would love to to sit down with some teens and explain, <laughs> like, a list of things and, like, see which ones they can figure out are real. Right. Trick question, they're all real. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell you kids about Pogs. Uh, MTV's next. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Crystal gonna... Pepsi. Oh wait, I can't because that's currently oh, oh god, on the market. God, retro nostalgia. No, and, yeah, and then, it's so bad. Yeah, we're, we're we're all God's Mad Men now. So, so where... where do you want to put this? <laughs> <laughs> let's um, let's. See. Is it better or worse than Pagan Invasion? Oh, it's nowhere like... near as good as Pagan Invasion. But it's true. Oh, it is. All oh, right, but here's the thing. Uh, it may be true, but it isn't as fun as Pagan Invasion. If, like, if, like Friday Night Test, I would so much rather watch Pagan Invasion Halloween Trick or Treat. Yeah, that's, it's way more. If you had, if you only have one old TV, old video to watch on YouTube, it's Pagan Invasion, not... <laughs> Right, right. If you're looking this for one. stuff that would have come on before uh, Touched by an Angel on, like, CBS back in the day, this is... This is the show for you. So, is it better than Machiste in Hell? Oh, man. Honestly, yes. I would say that it is probably better than Machiste in Hell. Um, at least because, again, it was a quick watch. I got to listen to the, the the satin voice of Peter Graves telling me about werewolves, and they glued hair onto a guy to impersonate a werewolf. Yeah, I'm a wolf. <laughs> I was like, Ma, it's me, I'd wolf say man. it would have to go right under pagan invasion then oh yeah i would agree i honestly i don't think i don't all right i i was i was maybe harsh in my initial assessment of pagan invasion as being like uh you know better than this by a country mile i think it's better but not by that much yeah yeah so 154 is the unexplained witches werewolves and vampires hell yes so Um, now we're going to uh russell 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 into our listener request bag. Yeah. 
Um, the, actually, um, could the first one we do because uh, lis- uh, our listener um, and and dear friend uh, Sarah Pyle uh, wanted us to talk about um, a few different movies, but the one that uh, I totally would be down to to quickly talk about, Motherfucking Carrie. Yes, Carrie's a perfect movie. Number one. <laughs> number submission. one. Next. Next. Number one movie. Next. Um, <laughs> I just uh, honestly, and Carrie is one of those movies that uh, I feel like is the trope codifier for cruel children in the 1970s. Oh my god, plug it up, Carrie, that's so fucked up. Oh, Jesus. And like, and that scene, like, what I think is so weird about that scene is that, like, so you get that uh, uncomfortable, like, gruesome opener with, like, your classmates being fucking cruel, and then the teacher who broke it up and generally advocates for Carrie, later on she's talking to another teacher and she admits, like, I, I kind of wanted to slap her and, and, and shake her and be like, what are you screaming about? Yeah. And it's it's like a certain kind of... now And, and the thing with um, Brian De Palma specifically, uh, I feel like Carrie could have easily been a really bullshit movie in the yes. long hands. But he's got that touch where it's it's just enough. And the stinger, like, that's one oh, yeah. of the biggest moments in horror cinema is that hand. And here's the thing. That stinger is bullshit. You know who cares? Not me. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, the carry stinger. Hand shoots out of the grave. It's fucking great. And um, one Does of the it make any I'm... fucking sense? No. No, why would it be outside of the coffin? Fuck out of here. No, actually, here's the thing. Carrie's hand. Fuck you. Um, now, one of the things that I love about this movie is how extra Carrie's mom is, even aside from, like, being horribly abusive. Like... What's wild, uh, upon rewatching it, uh, because I uh, happened to have rewatched this a few days ago. Where um, is it streaming right now? Oh, I don't, th- I think it might be on Amazon. Um, I have it on DVD, um, or not DVD, excuse me, Blu-ray. <laughs> DVD. Um, <laughs> I have it on high-def Blu-ray. A gig, gig, gig. I get to see that pig blood and fucking pristine high-def. You got that um, seal book, though? <laughs> <laughs> If you collect steelbooks, um, tweet us because, one, I want to see your shelves because that's the stuff I'm, I'm into. Mm-hmm. And two, I don't know anyone in person. I know y'all are out there, but I want to meet you and I want to talk about, like, do they cost more? Is it, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, right. it's wild to me that people collect movies like comic books. Which, so wait, I, I actually, uh, I'm, I don't think I'm part of the Cognoscenti on this one. What is a steel book exactly? It is a Blu-ray in a steel case. So it's literally what I was picturing. It's, it's basically like, see, and I've never held one. Hmm. And maybe so that's why I don't understand. Like, you, you know how, like, um, you know when you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, if I mm-hmm. had one, I would get it. Right, you would you would uh, understand this entire thing. It's and actually, like so... the first time I used a mechanical keyboard instead of uh, whatever the opposite of mechanical is, and like I felt the keys clack. I was like, "Oh, I get it now. I know why people collect these." Right, there's something like viscerally satisfying about like feeling the little clack as you hit the key. Yeah, and shout out to Colin Meg for introducing me to the sensual pleasures of mechanical keyboards (laughs) um so steelbooks we need to we need to uh start a start a campaign to find someone if you uh collect steelbooks uh shout us out on twitter instagram or um email and we'll we'll connect 
you realize that this is the hook for a, a horror movie, right? Like, this is, like, the missed connections thing where it's like, listen, just reach out to me if you have it, and then we get, like, a, a mysterious... Anyway. So, so my... Do you want to hear my pitch for the, the Ring reboot? Because we all know Rings was so bad that they're going to oh. reboot it in, like, two more years. Oh, it's so bad. Please, please. I, I hate to do it because it's going to, like, be out there on the ether and someone's going to steal it. Mm-hmm. But I think that if it was made, it would just be be enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so copyright, copyright, copyright. Um, someone is a VHS tape head, and they're tape trading, and they trade the um, ring tape. That is how this. That you realize that is how Ring starts. Damn it! I haven't it's seen a, it yet, so I didn't. It's know a guy. That. He's mind. like you know. It's like, uh, uh, I forget the name of that actor. He was in, I know what you did last summer, a bunch of Johnny 90s things. Johnny Galecki, in... the, the, yeah. the, um, the guy from the... Big Bang Theory? Yeah, he's Big Bang Theory movie, guy. right? Yeah, he's in it. And he's like, uh, it op- you know, it's him buying the thing. And he's like, you know, these used to be a technological revolution. And and the, the lady selling them is like, cool, dude. What the so fuck ever. So when... When The Ring came out, VHS was obsolete. <laughs> yes, it, it came out at that exact time where everybody was switching over to DVD, so they, they missed it by, by a hair. But anyway, so, Carrie, though. <laughs> teenagers suck. They're fuck awful. Fuck teenagers. Now, the thing that I noticed about it upon rewatching is that Carrie's mom... So, Carrie goes to prom, and her classmates are terrible, and she murders all of them. May she do it a thousand times more, because fuck those kids. Uh, she she comes home from the big prom and she's covered in blood and she's in a pretty compromised emotional state as you might imagine and her mom comes in and immediately starts talking about her own bullshit where she's like you know your father and she's just like whining about her own shit and her daughter is covered in blood and it's like dude even aside from the part where you try to murder your daughter and you punt like slap her around all the time and tell her that she's full of satan you this is you're making her perform so much emotional labor at all times yeah. Just fucked up. So, where do we want to put it? The other diploma we have on the list is um, Phantom of the Paradise. It's way better than that. This is so much better than Phantom of the Paradise. Honestly, I think we're talking like Rosemary's Baby, Eraserhead territory. Yeah, so I'm going to say it's better than Rosemary's Baby. Well, and of course, these are both films about like a, a woman's bodily autonomy and about... Like, sort of bodily processes about sort of uh, gaslighting a lot of it. Yeah. Um, is it better than Eraserhead? Uh, I would say it is better than Eraserhead because I think it was more influential than Eraserhead. Yes. So. Because I, I think Eraserhead is sort of like Velvet Underground where like only a thousand people listened to it, but everybody who did went on to start a band. Yeah, where everybody you say Carrie, everybody knows immediately what the fuck you're talking about. So I feel comfortable putting that above Racerhead. Yeah. So, what about Jaws? Ooh, I don't think it's better than Jaws. Yeah, I think that's where we are. So, is it better than Train to Busan? I would say no. In fact, I would say probably, like, for me, the, like, the closest equivalent that I would be, like, sort of putting it uh, around would be Raw. Yeah, I have still not gotten to see that yet, so this oh. is your call. Is it oh, better so or good. worse than Raw? I would say, honestly, for me, because I've I've only just seen Raw, like, in the last couple of weeks, and I've seen Carrie 8 million times, I think Raw is better. All right, then. 
better than I Harry. I will take your word on it. Uh, so number 11 is yep. the original Carrie from 1976. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. We have time for one more, uh, and I really want to talk about Deathbed. <laughs> yes! Okay, motherfucking Deathbed, the bed that eats. So I realized that uh, Scott Abbott was trolling us when he asked us to rank this, but goddammit, we're going to do it as sincerely oh. as possible. Oh. oh, this was him trolling us because of, I, I assume, the Patton Oswalt bit from like 2007. Okay, here's what's wild about that. I'm pretty sure that was based off of the remake make of deathbed wait no shit okay so there's two deathbeds okay there's the this one the 70s wild as shit one then there's the charles band produced full moon deathbed that uh came in the 80s or the 2000s i gotta look it up now oh no that's not good yeah, yeah. So, Deathbed, the one that's wild, the one that's widely distributed is the remake. And that one is called, I believe, Deathbed, the Bed That Eats People. Oh, Whereas, here we go. Deathbed 2002. Yeah. Uh, Deathbed in 2002 um, was produced by, uh, yeah, it's based on the 1977 film by George Berry. Very loosely, apparently. Yes. Um, and, and it's uh, what presented by Stuart Gordon of, obviously, you know, reanimator and From Beyond fame. Yes. Um, presented by, not actually directed, produced, or written, or in any way really ha- <laughs> involved in any way with yeah, Stuart Gordon. Yeah, also known as Stuart Gordon's deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Gordon's deathbed. Yeah, so, um, so it is a full moon picture, so it does have that Charles Band connection. Right, so there you go. And so the original Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, from nineteen from the 1970s, here's the thing. I fucking love Deathbed. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's fun. This movie rules. So Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, is available now on Shudder. We are sponsored by Shudder, uh, but we Hi, Shutter. love them dearly. Uh, go check it out. Listen, uh, they're offering a trial. Um, it's worth it to watch Deathbed. Oh, yeah. And now, with Deathbed, mostly it's funny because, like, I thought that i was gonna watch it like for a larf where it was like all right let's fucking do this deathbed and i found myself getting engrossed within like the first five minutes so like the premise is the deathbed ate a man and his soul was at, at unrest so he got stuck in the painting opposite the bed so now right. throughout the ages this portrait has to watch this bed eat people and he berates it for eating people, and it's it's you know, uh, it, it's it's insatiable lust for flesh. Yeah, it keeps yelling at the thing for like, well, we could have had some company if you hadn't fucking eaten them, and it's just like a painting yelling at a bed. Okay, I would so, say that that's like most of the dialogue in this. I think the most important question the deathbed raises is, would you fuck before or after you eat your bucket of fried chicken? <laughs> That is the most important. It's the only question. Um, I think we're all trying to figure that out in our own way. You know, so like, do you wait to eat the bucket of fried chicken? Eats a chicken leg. <laughs> it's it rules. And honestly, and initially, oh, I was it like, drinks a okay. bottle of wine. And it's great because, like, initially, I was like, okay, deathbed, the bed that eats people. Um, how does the bed eat people? Because initially, I'm picturing like the bed sort of folding up in sort of like a Muppet mouth, like humph, 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 and just like shoveling people down. And that's not how it works. No, um, it is acid. 
it's, it's like acid. It's like, it's like stomach acid. It's like stomach acid. There's like foam. And here's the thing. It is surprisingly artfully shot. Like you get these bizarre otherworldly images of like a shoe drifting through acid with like blood sort of like ribboning out the, the top of the shoe. Um, like there's so much about this that's like really fun to watch yeah and don't forget the experimental electronic score (laughs) (laughs) i am never not thinking about that score it's so you like theremin (laughs) (laughs) no it's like it's like theremin but also like lynchian ambient noise where because initially i was like deathbed i'm I'm, i was assuming it was going to be like sort of porny disco and like sort of oh no it's not that bad and somebody getting like muppet mouthed down by a bed and it's only all right. So it's horror technically. It it is porno though. Like there's so oh, many is. boobs in this movie, and oh, it's very clear that it's a bed because people have sex on beds. Right. That's like pretty much the movie's entire understanding of what beds are for. Is like, oh, that's where the fucking happens. <laughs> and I'm like watching this at work and like quickly switching tabs because the sheer amount of boobs blossoming forth on the fucking screen at all times and it's funny because now my question about that why do why do there need to be that many boobs in a movie called deathbed because who is rubbing one out to deathbed see i think all of this is answered with uh the pre-internet age and the the scarcity of pornography Oh, right. So this was some kid that found this in, like, his dad's video collection. See, what's crazy is, um, this is, Shudder calls this a lost film of the 70s, which implies that it did not get a wide release. Indeed not. Can you believe it that Deathbed was not commercially successful? (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm honestly... I would have loved to have, like, yeah, let's take, all right, yeah, let's let's go out to a movie, whatever. Deathbed? Uh, okay. And then... I'm really attracted to the idea of George Berry losing all of his money, like mm-hmm. like pouring heart and soul into this, and it just never getting a proper release. Oh shit! Well, I forgot a guy's hands melt off, and then he has bone hands. Yes, a guy has bone hands. Like, and he this, holds this, his this, face like, oh no. <laughs> well, and like this was the only movie George Berry ever made. And he was, like, shocked to find out later on that this movie had gained a cult following. Yeah. It actually, uh, the release dates on IMDb say it wasn't released until 2010. No, that can't be right. Like, it was shot in 1977, but in the Czech Republic it was released at a festival. So I don't know if it had a theatrical run. I think it was just a movie that was made... And people had it. <laughs> right. Well, because especially if there are that many boobs in a 1970s film, but also it's called Deathbed, the bed that eats. Like, what's your target demo here, George? Like, what are you what are you shooting for here? Mm-hmm. Plot keywords on IMDb for this movie are demon, bed, female nudity, female frontal nudity, and oh, animate object. <laughs> Who is searching the inanimate object tag on IMDb trivia? Or not trivia, excuse me, the metadata. Metadata. How many movies have animate objects in them? Actually, uh, you'd be surprised. I Oddly oddly enough, I would say most. Uh, would 144. Say most oh, wait. Did you know you can cross-reference met- metadata? 
I did not realize so that. So you can see how many movies have animate objects and skeletons. Oh, shit. And the top movie, the most popular movie on IMDb, is Army of Darkness. Yeah. That has It does have both of those things. Also, Poltergeist. Yeah, this is... Damn, this is actually a useful tool. We've been goofing, but this is Thanks, Anonymous Pervert. Thank you, perverts. Because if your thing is skeletons and frontal nudity, now you know. IMDb has you sorted. Uh, A lone lone pervert has been, like, painstakingly constructing this metadata. So So with Deathbed, I think the other thing that's funny, the... The acting in it is not so much acting as we found someone to be in front of a camera for a period of time. That didn't mind taking their shirt off. Right, exactly. And then, like, most of the acting is the narrator who's trapped in a painting and he's berating a bed. And and what's great about that is they make the actor sit in a box behind the painting as if his body is trapped in the wall. Hell yeah. So they make him like sit crisscross applesauce scrunched up in a box the whole movie. <laughs> Fuck you, do it. This is see, this is acting, is what that is. So um I think this is a it's a real gothic chiller. It's it's the most Oh sure. It's the most period piece movie for two periods. One, like somebody out there, like I know people collect antiques and antique furniture, like I feel like this was our director's synthesis of, like, I really like these freaky 70s because, you know, we have this multi, multi-racial cast and uh, right. they're all going to fuck. But yeah, also, uh, yeah, I really like as as Victorian furniture and that's my thing. So, <laughs> so this was just like fuck a, on a this vanity project. Bed. Do it now. Do it. Um, and then also, like, honestly, the effects in this, surprisingly good. Yes, surprisingly competent. So, yeah, I, I did not clown this movie as much as I was expecting to. Is it better than Crimson Peak, though? No, 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 no. Because Crimson Peak at least made me feel something. <laughs> I actually really like Crimson Peak. Yeah, I do, too. So where do we want to put it, then? Um, under Crim- It's better. I think it's better than Return of the Living Dead 3. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's way higher than I was thinking. Uh, okay, I gotta scroll up. Um, well, no, no, wait. What, what are what, what were you thinking? Well, I was looking at the bottom of the list, but but. Uh... Oh, actually, where you were, where, where you were, was probably right. <laughs> <laughs> now that I look at it, hold on now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, my question for you. Is it better or worse than Beyond the Gates with Barbara Crampton? No, it's not better than that, because it's got Barbara Crampton in it. Fucking Barbara Crampton, yeah. yeah. Listen, you may have a deathbed, the bed that eats people. You're not Barbara Crampton. So, what would you prefer to watch? The CG boob jiggle of Gantz O or Deathbed? Which would you watch again? Uh, I would watch, honestly, Deathbed. I would watch again. You know, I think I'm getting to... I don't know what it is, but I'm not here for tits in my horror movies anymore. No, and I'm not gonna say I I I never was, but I think this is what growing up it means because I want gore more than I want sex. Honestly, yeah. Like we were talking about this. That like I, I myself like was watching Deathbed and was just like, can we not with the constant boobs flopping out like. 
I, I, I think it might be just that at this point, honestly, I wasn't, I, I was kind of getting there before we started doing this podcast. Like if I would see two actors on a thing with like vaguely symmetrical features who are like conventionally attractive and they're having sex, I was bored and kind of angry and wanted to fast forward because I'm like, why do we have to watch this? Um, I am now at the point where it's just like, get get that shit the fuck out of here, please. Well, I mean, this is why I am sl- why uh, Devil Man Crybaby is a slog for me because mm-hmm. I'm sick of being signaled like, don't you want to toot your winky at this? And it's like, no, I don't. <laughs> Indeed not. So you're I saying want that more like demon to- gore, <laughs> and that's only the <laughs> last like. There is far, if we switch the sliders there and it's like mm-hmm. demon gore versus like bouncing taints, like and taint shots, yeah, much better show, but we'll get to that. So, later. so would 18 year old Quincy have rocked with uh, devil man cry baby? We got to get to that. I, I have to finish that series <laughs> At the proper and figure time. that out. I've, I have not had enough time to digest that. <laughs> he, God, God bless you for watching devil man cry. I've been trying to get people to watch it half-heartedly because the other part of me is like don't i'm just fucking how many you. episodes in are you baby. Uh, i am four episodes in me too okay yeah it gets better okay that's good <laughs> because um, <woo. laughs> but so i would put deathbed above ganso not for the titties but for the bizarre soundtrack and the weird visuals yeah yeah although the mech in gants is really cool oh it's pretty sick yeah but I think just for, like, I'd rather see a bed eat a fried chicken wing than... <laughs> Who doesn't want to see a... Listen, this is why horror is the fucking greatest. Where else are you going to see a bed eating fried chicken? Now, do you want the largesse of a fried chicken eating bed or the, like, quiet minimalism of daguerreotype? Oh, 100%. Give me the bed that eats fried chicken. <laughs> I ne- love never... this podcast, by the way. Oh, <laughs> wait. So, do we want understated and and serene, or do we want beds eating fried chicken? Beds eating fried chicken. There can only be one. I, that I have a docu. I have a, a running list of like what is our first T-shirt gonna say? <laughs> right. And I keep thinking like beds eating fried chicken. Give me <laughs> beds, beds eating, eating fried, chicken. fried chicken or. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, beds eating fried chicken or uh, understated pastoral scenes. Or better than... Um, moody historical dramas. Moody historical dramas. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, and then, actually, uh, how much... I don't think we have any time left, do we? Uh, we can do... Have you seen Pool? Yes, I've seen Pool. Okay, where does it go on the list? Because I haven't seen it. Oh, man. Uh, Pool. I fucking adore that movie. I would honestly... Uh, put Pontypool probably um, right under Army of Darkness, right above Evil Ed. Okay, uh, why? Because it's a fresh take on zombies. It's a thing with zombies that hasn't been explored yet. It uses language in a really fucking cool way. The soundtrack is great. The performances are fantastic. Uh, the characters I actually care about. And I found myself thinking about the central premise for like days after I saw it. Okay, so number 43 is Pontypool. Uh, thanks, Sarah. That was, uh, Sarah for that one, too. What do you want to just put on the list without talking about? Because I think we could do one more, because we're doing it really fast. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Good-ass yeah. movie. Yeah, fucking love it. Better fucking, than Carrie? Yeah. Better than Carrie. Better than 
Raw, I would say better than Train to Busan. Uh, I, I think it's would... better than Jaws. You think it? You think you think it's better than Jaws? Uh, you're right. It's not better than Jaws. I don't think it's better than Get Out. Really? Yeah, I I think uh, Get Out. Well, I don't know. Okay, Get so so if you're looking at core messages, mm-hmm. the Exorcist is says, "Man, Christianity's weird, isn't it?" <laughs> Hence why I'm like, and Get Out, out actually... is like. Hey man, uh, race is a real problem in America. <laughs> yeah, we have ra- Americans have a real fucking problem with race. Uh, I'm sorry, says, you're right. It goes below get out. <laughs> well, and also because but just uh, below. <laughs> yeah, and also because The Exorcist uh, is again a fucking fantastic movie. But I also, I there are like a few beats in that movie that I remember off the top of my head, and that's it where Get Out, I can, like, you can dig into so much there, and I'm sure that you could dig into a lot with The Exorcist, but for the most part, it's pretty much like a collection of bumper stickers, isn't it? It's Your Mother Sucks Cocks in Hell, it's I Need an Old Priest and a Young Priest, Pea Soup, Spinning Head, uh, Priest Gets Thrown Out a Window. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, there's the extended cut that tries to, like, add a lot of backstory, but it just oh. doesn't really do much. Like, yeah, it's, again, it, it falls into that problem with, like, over-explaining horror. It's scary because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like so much of it, and for what it was at the time, like, groundbreaking and fucking great, but under the harsh light of 2017, not that interesting. 2018, excuse me. Okay. So, The Exorcist is number six. Hey, Tim Pasco, thanks for that one. Thanks, buddy. So, Ryan, will you tell our listeners where they can uh, send us their listener requests? Yes, they can send us listener requests at uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. They can also do it via our ask box on Tumblr, uh, which is located at rankandvile.tumblr.com. Just rankandvile, no cast. Um, you can tweet at us incoherently and, and abuse us uh, at Rank and Vilecast on Twitter. But um, we will have... not take requests through Twitter. Uh, it's too much to uh, keep track of. Right, it's t- t- tears in the rain. Um, and then uh, also we are on Instagram at Just Rank and Vile. Yes, we um, sunk that handle. If anybody has found Katrina uh, Coffin, um, definitely hit us up. We would love to have her on the show to if talk you, about... Yes, yes. If you collect steelbooks, uh, we probably want to talk to you as well. <laughs> we definitely I, want to I, talk to you as well. Again, this is definitely a horror movie uh, premises, uh, trying to seek the forbidden steelbooks on the internet. Um, but... So, I think that might be all we have. Do you have anything else? Yeah, uh, I want to tell you who I want to tell our listeners who we're brought to you by this week. We're brought to yes. you by the T-shirt makers Turnbuckle Titans. If you go to turnbuckletitans.bigcartel.com, you can get some really cool pro wrestling T-shirts. Uh, they just got done making a Mr. Pogo shirt. They have a uh, super leather shirt. So basically, yeah, if there is a wrestling t-shirt company, uh, it is that that has our number. It's them. If you it's, use... it's pretty much it's, it's pretty much like a t-shirt company that if they were just taking requests specifically from this podcast for shirts that we wanted, it would be that. Yeah. So uh, you can still pick up a super leather shirt from their website. You can pick up a really dope Mr. Pogo or Super Leather shirt from Turnbuckle Titans, and if you use the code Rank and Vile, you get free shipping. So 20 25 bucks for a t-shirt is a pretty good deal. 
And I promise that you will be the only person at your wrestling show to be wearing a Super Leather or Mr. Pogo t-shirt. Yeah, and then people will be like, nice, too sweet, me, bro. And, and, and then those people will be like, do you have steelbooks? And anyway. We're also brought to you by El Jefe Brand. El Jefe Brand makes really dope enamel pens. Uh, my favorite is my uh, Plankton from Spongebob uh mashed up with gizmo from gremlins pen it is a it is one of the few listen i have an untenable amount of enamel pens it is one of two that people actually stop and say is that plankton (laughs) which is what you want ultimately is people sort of lean into your pens and go wait on it hold on a goddamn minute right so if you go to el jefe brand and use code rank and file uh, they'll give you 25% off, so you can get your own plankton pen. They also have the most adorable Mothman of West Virginia pen in existence. Uh, and they have Sandy being eaten by a chestburster, speaking of uh, Spongebob. Yep, which is, yeah, so if you want Spongebob mashup horror stuff. So that's elhefebrand.com, uh, code rank and vile for 20% off. Yep, do it. And I believe that's all we got. You got anything else? That's it. Awesome. Have a good week, folks. Thanks.